Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. The running back landscape is changing. If you look at PPR average draft position from Fantasy Football Calculator, in each of the last three seasons, 2020, 2021, and 2022, there were 14 to 15 running backs selected in the first two rounds and only six to eight wide receivers. This year, though, it looks a lot different. It's very even. You might see on certain sites, you might see more wide receivers taken than running backs. You might see more like 10 running backs taken in the first two rounds instead of 14 to 15. It does change things a little bit. Does it change our strategy? Is round three actually going to be a good round for running backs? Actually, historically not very good. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, and Heath Cummings. We'll get their takes on it. You know what, guys? We also haven't had like a slam dunk, home run, unbelievably elite running back in either of the last two seasons. If you look at the, the best running backs, we haven't, they haven't been McCaffrey uh, of, of years past. They haven't been Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell or something like that. Heath, what do you think? Are we going to get a 24-plus point per game running back in PPR or something like that, maybe even close to 28, 29? I don't think we'll get a 28 or 29. That that would be uh, pretty outlandish. But I think McCaffrey absolutely has a chance to be at that 24 fantasy point per game range, maybe even a little bit better. I think if like the, the hard thing is, and we've talked about this a lot this offseason, the guys who have been doing that are all approach, approaching that age where you wouldn't expect them to do it any longer, or at least you have concerns about their age and injury concerns. But yeah, if if Austin Eckler can stay healthy for 17 games, he's got a chance to do it. I think um, there's still a couple of guys who have that chance. Okay. Um, McCaffrey, Eckler, you mentioned. Yeah, Bijan Robinson could be RB3 for a lot of people. Saquon Barkley is going to be a first-round pick, it looks like. Could we get get some great value this year, maybe on Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs? I mean, that's such an interesting thing. Two guys that could be first-round picks have situations, off-the-field situations, that are dragging them down a little bit here. Uh, Dave, what's your take on on running back this year? Do you think it's a looking like a good year? By the way, this is part one of our preview. So tomorrow we'll get a little bit more into ADP. Today we're going to lay it out a little bit, give you the lay of the land, sleepers, breakouts, busts, maybe look at our pick-by-pick series and, and some strategy. But Dave, how do you see the running back position this year? I think it's still pretty strong. I think the dead zone running backs do exist, but there are some perks to them. I don't, I don't think there are as many running backs that you look at and you go, ew, over. I think that number's low. Oh. We'll go through that as, as we look at the rankings and tomorrow on ADP. I'm still, I, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying my best to be anti-running back after basically being pro-running back for the first 19 years of my career. And I, I, I can do it at 101. I can't do it at 102. And I still have, let's see, how many do I have? Five running backs in my first round in my rankings in full PPR. So I, I get it. I, the, the stats say it. Receivers are starting to catch up, if not exceed running backs. Uh, there's there's a story that I wrote, the, the wide receiver tier strategy story. It's on CBS Sports. You can look into those stats if you want to. Running backs are still integral in fantasy, obviously. There are some guys with huge upside. Those are the guys that you're drafting on your team. They're worth, hopefully, the early round picks. Jamie, uh, Heath is having a little 
cough attack over <laughs> he there. <almost> died. <laughs> Heath is okay. He's okay. Uh, Jamie, your your overall thoughts. You know, Dave said there weren't a lot of uh, running backs that make you go ew. I wonder how many running backs make you go. Ugh. But what do you think overall about? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good sound or a bad sound, by the way. <laughs> uh, overall, Jamie, your thoughts on running back. I think you said it best. You know, it's uh, it, it feels like the dead zone is not as it's not going to start as early. Uh, I think we're going to get some good running backs in that round three, four range. You know, depending on how you draft, and I think that's part of to what Dave is saying that you know, it it feels as if you know, despite the fact that you know most fantasy analysts have been hammering it for the last couple of years to avoid running backs early and and lean on wide receivers and take that position, you know, more seriously, especially in PPR, that that's pushing up the wide receivers on draft boards and allowing some of these running backs that we would typically take maybe as early as like 10th, 12th, you know, depending on where you want to cut it off, 15th, those guys have now fallen to the spot where we would typically say, these are the guys you want to avoid. Well, why would you avoid these guys? Because they're still going to be pretty good. And we would say we'd be taking these guys most likely in the second round or the early third round. So that's, I think, why we're seeing a little bit of a, of a shift in where some of these guys are going based on what they look like. And yes, you're right. We're going to find a, a, a scenario, probably several, especially depending on when you draft, where Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor fall to just spots that they're just incredible values. And so you, you may even see it with, you know, you, you take it a step further, you know, uh, Joe Mixon potentially, you know, still falling or, or, or an appropriate spot. You know, Alvin Kamara, depending on where he goes, you know, those type of guys that aren't necessarily first and second round picks. You know, I, I had a real life situation last night where uh, in, in my guillotine draft, which is with, you know, 17 other analysts, it's 18, 18 teams, uh, in round two, Jonathan Taylor was there. And so in that format, you know, do you do you go risky uh, by taking somebody like Taylor, who if he does not play week one, I could be done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's the end of my season. So I avoided that, um, and it might come back to haunt me a little bit because if he does play week one and he's Jonathan Taylor, then I'm missing out on what could be you know a top three, five, whatever you want to you know put to label him uh, caliber running back. So you know we're going to see a lot of those situations with depending on where drafts happen. And believe me, we're August eighth. Drafts are happening. You know, so yeah. that's the thing that people have to deal with. I, I do wonder, and I talked about this a little bit, like how much best ball right now is influencing everybody's opinion on where the running backs are going to go. We've seen for most of the last five or like almost all the time I've been here that quarterbacks really move up in ADP in August when a lower percentage of the drafts are analyst drafts, when there's a lot more drafts that don't include 16 or 17 analysts or even 10 or 11 the analysts. We see the quarterbacks. Right. The quarterbacks really move up. I, I expect, I don't know how much it's going to happen, but I expect that in terms of overall ADP, you're going to see running backs move up over the next month. You're going, and so that's the, that's the thing that's interesting. Like right now it's easy to look at NFC ADP, and see, I can get Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry at the end of round two. I might be able to find Josh Jacobs at the end of round three. There's only nine running backs, I think, being taken in the first two rounds. And think, well, yeah, I don't. I, I can just wait on running back. They're going to be there. I'm not totally convinced that we st- won't still see more running backs than any other position taken in the first two rounds of most drafts by the time we get to the end of this month. All right, but the thing is, if you look at rankings, that's going to mean that Ramondre Stevenson, Joe Mixon, for a lot of people would be guys like Jameer Gibbs, Najee Harris. They're going to have to creep into round two then because that's probably, for a lot of people, that's probably like 11 through 15 or some of those guys at least are going to be in that range. So they it just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like there are 15 guys that should be, that should be second, you know, first or second round picks this year. Well, I think you left one out. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Jameer Gibbs' steam keeps building to the point to where he jumps into round two. I think Joe Mixon should be at that round two, round three turn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, case now. what's that? This depends on the civil case now that was reopened. Yeah. Why? For Mixon? I mean, I mean, there, there was a gun involved. You never know what the NFL might do. It may not happen this year, but you never know what the NFL might do. Well, Okay, but I, you know, I'm just wondering. I'll just say this: I was in a draft this weekend with other analysts, and he fell for a reason. And it wasn't because of what happened; it was because this happened the day of the draft. Or where'd he go? Uh, he went round four, maybe. Happy to take that. And that's Joe Mixon. All right, so okay, so late round three. Let me get some names that you guys really like this year. Some players that you're maybe higher on than consensus or that you find yourself drafting a lot. If I was going to ask you, who are your guys this year? Dave, who would you go with at running back? 
I, I think one of them is Tony Pollard just because he's got this golden opportunity to lead the Cowboys run game. That includes near the goal line. Zeke's no longer there. Um, Zeke had 12 touchdowns last year. So theoretically, that number's up for grabs. I don't think Pollard gets all those touchdowns. He might not even get half of them. But this dude was awesome last season, averaged over 15 points per game, and now he's going to get more touchdowns and maybe more work from game to game. Explosive player, good in the passing game. I think he's worth a, a mid to late first-round pick in PPR and definitely a first-round pick in none. And Pollard's going in the second round. Uh, Dave, how about like a mid-round guy that you find yourself drafting a lot? How about you guys can each give me an early and a mid? Uh, Dave, what do you got? I know. So I, I mentioned that there aren't a lot of running backs that make you go ew slash ugh over. Yeah. Um, <sighs> there it is. James Conner is one of those guys because volume running back, He's he's been good, but he's on such an ugly offense and he makes me nervous, and yet I gravitate toward it, toward him, because there are so many other running backs that don't even have a profile as good as he's got. So I know his ADP is like in the 60s right now. I'll take him before then. Uh, I think he's at least a round five guy, maybe, maybe even late round four. Don't love it, um, but there are so many running backs that look like Connor, where it's just you're you're hoping he gets the volume, but Connor has gotten the volume in the past, and he's succeeded. He's even succeeded last year without Kyler Murray on the field in tough matchups. So I, I just think that he's got a good chance to give you some good numbers and certainly good value if you're getting him in round five or later. All right, I'm going to go to Heath next, but I'm going to say this about Connor. I think we all identified Connor early in the process as a guy that was kind of a sleeper. He was going, I think, in round seven months ago. He's moved up a little bit, but now... As I look at several different websites and their ADP, Connor still looks like a great value going in round six. He's, go, he's got basically the same ADP as Alexander Madison, who I think in our mind is more like a round four pick. Correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. So if ADP is true, then Connor might be a great value, but so is Alexander Madison, two guys that, um, that we're going to identify. And, and again, if, if you disagree with me, please. But if they're both going in the 60s, that's just really good for Connor and Madison. Uh, Heath, how about an early guy and a, and a mid-round guy that you like? Yeah, I was definitely going to say Connor because he's in the 70s in terms of NFC, NFC over the last two weeks. Um, I, I'll go with in mid to late round two, I'm still on the uh, Josh Jacobs train. I'm probably a little more concerned about Taylor right now than I am Jacobs just because there's this mystery injury um, surrounding Taylor as well. If you go to the mid mid rounds or round four range, I'll say Miles Sanders, and then I'll add one more who's right behind James Conner in ADP right now at seventy eight on NFC, and that's David Montgomery. Okay, so that's from Dave James Conner and Tony Pollard, from Heath another James Conner, uh, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Jamie. How about you? Some players that you send to draft a lot or are higher on than consensus. Uh, probably Ramondre. You know, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the situation for him, building off what he did last year. That's assuming there's no, I guess at this point, Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette signing, but I think those guys would not necessarily scare me off dramatically. You know, it would it would be a hindrance, but, you know, we saw what these guys looked like at certain points last year. And coming to a new team, I think it would still be a good scenario for, for Ramondre. So I, I would happily take him at the back end of round two. Um, a mid-round guy, is that the, the next category? Yeah, um, it doesn't really matter, I, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm still very much excited about J.K. Dobbins, and you know Heath alludes this with Taylor with the mystery injury. I I think it's the same scenario for both these guys. Taylor and Dobbins are and and Jacobs they're they're contract related, so once they get on the field, I think you'll be happy with their production. Uh, for Dobbins, two years removed from his ACL tear, uh, what you're hearing about what they're doing with the running backs in the passing game, I think that's going to really benefit him. This offense is going to be I think better uh, certainly than what we've seen the last couple of seasons, mostly because Lamar Jackson's healthy. But I do like the setup for Dobbins, uh, especially the fact that you say that the only guy that they brought in was Melvin Gordon. That's a pretty big boost for, I think, where he's going to end up you know, finishing this year if he stays healthy. So very excited to draft him, and he continues to fall because of the scenario that he's not practicing right now. Okay. Uh, do you guys have an overall quarterback strategy? Or, sorry, running back? We're on running backs now. Do you have a running back strategy? You know, a lot of people like to go hero RB, which is one running back really early, and then you can wait a little does anybody have a, a running back strategy? They say, I do this typically. No. A running back strategy? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I lean toward Hero RB. You know, I, I think that's just a good way to go, especially with what we see 
with how these receivers are being drafted, with those running backs that you're able to get, you know, even later, you know, so it's probably a modified hero RB at this point by comparison to last year, you know, so you could take one running back early first or second round, you know, you get receivers in rounds three and four, you can still find good value. Like we said, you know, with guys like Connor and Dobbins and Sanders and these guys and Madison, you know, still in round five, round six, if you want to dip your toe back into that pool. Uh, But I think there's just, you know, a, a lot of great dart throws that you could take a little bit later, you know, and and we'll see where some of these, you know, lottery ticket handcuff type of running backs end up going. But, you know, I mean, I, I like to buy a lot of Roshan Johnson and Tank Bigsby and and those those type of guys, the young running backs that could, you know, an injury away or, or, you know, maybe even get some production in tandem with a guy. And then by the end of the season, you know, you're looking at these guys as hopefully being league winners. So Heath, I know you're not gonna give me a you know a running back strategy. Kind of you kind of <laughs> roll with the punches and drafts, and that's fine. But one of the things we've talked about, uh, Jamie and I have, have talked about this a lot. I don't know if I've talked about it with the other two, but that maybe, and I'm sorry, it's I know it's already come up a little bit on the show, but RB deads or, or mid round running backs are better this year than they have been in the past. Uh, I feel like we've felt that way. Do do we feel that way as a group, guys, that the mid-round running backs, let's say rounds four through seven or so, are better this year than they have been in the past? I prob- I mean, we don't really know how ADP is going to settle, but probably. I, I have a hard time believing any of them are going to be better than Josh Jacobs was last year. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think a, a little bit more open to that. I will say... Like I don't really have a strategy, but if I have a pick early in the draft with the way ADP looks right now, I'm probably more likely to take a wide receiver in round one and then take a running back in both round two and round three. Because you'll get and I haven't done in, that in the past much. You'll get like a mix in there, and who else would you take? I and mean, you'll probably get a Taylor or an Henry. Okay. Yep. Or Jacobs, one of those three, and then and then yeah, a mix in. Okay. Yeah, but if t- I don't know, I sort of identified this. There's like Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, if they're available late in round two, they feel like easy picks. But then after that, if they're not available, then it's Ramondre Stevenson, Joe Mixon, Jameer Gibbs, Najee Harris. Who's comfortable? Etienne. Travis Etienne. Who's comfortable taking them around the two three turn? And how many of them? For me, it's just it's just two in PPR. It's Stevenson and Gibbs. Those are the only two I would take in the in the early round three portion portion of it. I, I mean, like I said, I, I would take Stevenson in round two, but I'm fine with Gibbs early round three. Just Mixon for me. Stevenson, Mixon. I, I like Najee better in the middle of round three, so I, I'm not thinking about him when I'm at 25, 26, 27. Okay. All right. Uh, we well, gotta... Mixon, Mixon fell to the end of round three in the yeah. flex draft, and that was Chris taking him. Chris also probably took as much risk as anybody in this draft just in terms of taking guys either A, that he wanted or had some concerns. I think he's got the oldest receiving core I've ever seen. Uh, three of his mm-hmm. uh, five receivers, he could play all five, are Tyler Lockett, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Thomas <laughs> with Jordan <laughs> Addison Mixon. So Chris, Chris, Chris took Josh Jacobs early round two. I don't think anybody else was doing that. He took Joe Mixon end of round three. Like I said, I think he would have fallen a little bit, so – uh, and Chris, Chris was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just buying these guys with, with at what he considers to be good value. Maybe he thought it was an AARP league <laughs> yeah. instead of a PPR league. Uh, you got to play yeah, shuffleboard. I, 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 he started taking like he took uh, after Thomas, which is when he realized how old his receiving core was. He took Devon A. Chain the next round, then Rondell Moore, and then Zamir. I said, you just really diverted from your, <laughs> your old strategy. <laughs> yeah. His receivers are going to play bingo. Okay, let's take a break. <laughs> oh, wait. Actually, last thing here. I don't know if you guys have an answer for this, but try anyway. I'd like to have blank of my top blank running backs. All? I would like to have five of my top five running backs. <laughs> yes, um, please. I would say two of my top 15. One of my top seven, three of my top 26. That's with an asterisk. And then I got something fun here. Okay. Two of my top 20. What do you have that's fun, Dave? I saw we, you, you had a package. <laughs> I got a box. I got a package. What's in the box? It's an unboxing of the most unbelievable fantasy football magazine you will ever have in your life. This is it. The CBS Sports Beckett Fantasy Football Preview Magazine. 
Bijan Robinson on the cover. If you're listening, you can't see it. It's a gray background with Bijan standing in his number seven jersey. It is on newsstands now. It is available for purchase online now. Go out there and get it. It is the CBS Sports Beckett Sports Fantasy Football Preview Magazine done by everybody on this podcast and more. Awesome. Great promo. I have four other things to promo. Here we go. Everybody sit tight. Uh, we need email addresses from four or five people who are in the FFT open but did not leave their email address. If you're listening, please send an email to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com so we can contact you. Douglas Mossman, Jared Sharp, Jeffrey Zrucky, Z-R Zrucky, I don't know, Ryan Van Hoven, and David Bartholomew. Douglas Mossman, Jared Sharp, Jeffrey Zrucky, Ryan Van Hoven, and David Bartholomew. Thank you for your donation. Send an email to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. I need your email address so you can be in the FFT Open. Speaking of which, if you want to go to tinyurl.com slash fftdonate and continue donating to our Draftathon, all benefiting St. Jude, you can get private Zoom calls with all of us uh, and more, and Chris Towers and some others. Oh, come on. My private Zoom call is only going for like half of what Dave and Jamie's are. We can do better than that. Uh, tinyurl.com slash fftdonate. Podcast awards. We made it to the next round in the best sports podcast category. If you signed up and voted, you might be asked to vote in the next round. Please keep checking your email for something from podcast awards. You might be an honorary voter. And if you are, you know, vote for us. And finally, live stream tonight. 8 p.m. Eastern, <clears throat> we're doing a non-PPR mock draft, so you'll see a lot of running backs taken there. Live stream tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, non-PPR mock draft, uh, youtube.com slash today. We'll be right back on FFT. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. I want to do a quick round of buy or sell. We've touched on some strategy here. Let's get to some more players. Real quick here, about buy or sell. Buy or sell Nick Chubb will have his best season ever. He's never finished higher than an RB5 per game in non or half PPR or RB8 per game in full PPR. Buy or sell, Nick Chubb will have his best season ever. Sell. Sell, but it'll be close. Last year was a career year for him. 1,764 total yards and 13 touchdowns. He will not quite get there, so sell. All right, buy or sell. Bijan Robinson should be the number one overall pick or number one running back. Bijan Robinson should be the number one running back in non or half PPR leagues. Sell. Sell, sell but it's close, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's really close. You can't. I showed I showed you guys while Adam was doing the promo the article that Jamie wrote in our magazine where he makes the case for Bijan to be the number one running back in fantasy and that he just has the best rookie year ever for a running back. And I'll tell you what, he's got the profile to do it. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did finish number one, but I'd still like McCaffrey and Eckler more. Okay, wait a second. It was Eric Dickerson, right, Jamie? Uh, Dickerson in non-PPR with 1983 had the best non-PPR season ever for a rookie. And Saquon Barkley had the best PPR season ever for a rookie. So he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do <laughs> if he's going to get to that level. But right. um, the, the thing about it is, you know, we've noted this time and time again, his profile – College, you know, pedigree speaks to that he has the chance to do it. The team that he landed on uh, speaks that he has a chance to do it just in terms of the volume if they give him the majority of that, which was leading the NFL in rush attempts last year. And the receiving chops are there. You know, will they throw it to him enough? You know, it's it, it's funny. Like, you know, you, you get around all these fantasy analysts. I know, Dave, you're going to the expo. You're going to get a lot of this, too. It's like, how can this support this? How can Desmond Ritter support all these guys being breakouts? You know, Bijan, London, and Pitts. You know, how can... This, this all work and, and all these guys be successful. 
But I think in terms of, you know, what he can do as a rusher and then just hopefully supplement it to a pretty high degree as a receiver. Uh, but he, he definitely profiles, you know, top 10 overall pick, you know, college profile, all those things. He's got the chance to be pretty special. All right, that's B. John Robinson. Next up, buy or sell. Even if Josh Jacobs is back with the team tomorrow and ready to go for week one, I'd still take Tony Pollard over him. Bye. So, bye. Easy bye. Easy buy. Easy wow. buy. <laughs> Easy sell for Heath. I know that. Yeah. I, well, I mean, Josh Jacobs has never been as good as he was before last year. So, you know, we can't expect him to do that again. That team could be awful. It could be absolutely awful. Yeah. And, and you know what? I guess that's a little bit of a segue. Does that matter? Does the quality of an offense matter for running backs? It matters a lot more for wide receivers. Um, let's see. Over the past six seasons, there have been 18 running backs out of... Oh, this is that over the past seven seasons. 18 running backs out of 84 who have finished top 12 on offenses that ranked 20 20th or lower. So that's... That's like 20%. Yeah, 21.4%. But that's compared to just 13% at wide receiver. So finishing top 12 at running back on an offense that's 20th or lower in scoring is much easier at running back than it is at wide receiver. However... I think Derrick Henry in the last five seasons <laughs> is the only running back to finish top five, top five, not top 12, on an offense that ranked lower than like 23rd. So you don't see elite running backs on terrible offenses. I'm not saying the Raiders will be terrible, but just just a general thing. Derrick Henry to, I, is the only running back I found that had an elite fantasy season, a top five season, on a terrible offense. Uh, in the last five years. Actually, the last seven years. Okay, anyway. A um, couple more buy or sells. Buy or sell. In a full PPR league, I'd take Jameer Gibbs over Najee Harris. Sell. In, what did you say, non-PPR? Full PPR. Oh, full? Easy. Gibbs for me. This is one where I think projections-wise, I still have Harris one spot ahead of Gibbs. I have given Gibbs a little bit of a boost, but I think I'm going to go ahead and buy this one and just make a change in the rankings because I have no desire to draft Najee Harris. Okay. And I I would like to. I have excitement about Jameer Gibbs, so I'll, I'll go with. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. I, I love the setup for this kid. You know, I mean, you're talking about stepping into a situation where last year DeAndre Swift in 13 games, top 10 in running back targets and top 12 in running back receptions, and I think he's better than DeAndre Swift. And so, you know, obviously there's there's the the stumbling block potentially as a rusher when you have David Montgomery there. But I don't think that they drafted him where they drafted him in the first round to say that it's going to be all David Montgomery, just like it was all Jamal Williams. And so he's got a six-game head start to be very heavily involved in the passing game. And then if he gets any sort of foothold over David Montgomery in the running game, he could be an absolute star. So I love the setup for him, this offense. Offense line is great. The play caller is amazing. Um, really excited about Detroit. And I think Jameer Gibbs has top 12 upside. He's, he's a top 12 running back for me. Detroit has been top nine in RB rush attempts and RB targets in two straight seasons. That's really awesome for both of those guys. And basically, any running back drafted in the first round gets a lot of touches. Nine of the last 11 running backs drafted in the first round have averaged 15.5 or more touches per game as rookies. Um, two more. Buy or sell. Zach Charbonnet in round 11 is better value than Kenneth Walker in round five. Bye. It's a buy. Samaj P. Ryan in round 10 is better value than Javante Williams in round seven. Uh, it's buy. a buy. But they're both good values. Agreed. Because I think they're both good values, I think I'd sell it and lean toward the younger player. Okay. A few more uh, overall questions here. Is taking two running backs with the first two picks, RB, RB, is that a bad strategy? And after you answer that, I will give you a team that did that in our recent pick-by-pick series. Is RBRB a bad strategy? No. It just needs to be done with the idea that one of those two running backs felt like a really good value. I don't think you should go into your draft and say, all right, i got to get two running backs right from the jump. But if you're drafting, and let's say you're like me, you like Tony Pollard, and your first-round pick is is Bijan or Saquon, and Pollard makes it back to you in round two, and the next best receiver is uh, like Devontae Adams or, or uh, Jalen Waddle. Take Pollard. Take that upside. Take the value that's there. You, you might be able to draft McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. You, yeah, you might be able exactly. to draft McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor. I'm seriously. That's, yes, yes. Right. Same exact thing. So it's yeah. not a faux pas. 
if you take two running backs, but one of them has to be a really good value. I would say it's a better strategy than it's been any point in the last five years. Okay. Yeah, and... Uh, well, I think the opportunity is there for it, and that's what makes it a better strategy. Because in the past, I don't, I don't know if you could necessarily pull it off like you can this year because there's such a race for wide receivers. Yes. It, it really also depends, I think, where you draft. Because like Heath said, you know, if you're getting McCaffrey and Henry or McCaffrey and Taylor, or these guys are falling to the back end of round two. It makes it that much easier. But I think it's a little harder to do if you're picking at the back end of round one when you're still staring at these wide receivers that are just going to be unbelievable. And you're getting those guys in early round two. So that's a great segue because I want to look at team 12 in the pick by pick, which was Dan Schneier's team. And we did a pick by pick series where uh, each of us, there were six of us, the four of us here, plus Chris and Dan, drafted two teams. And then we wrote little articles about, you know, how it came together, what our strategy was, what worked, what didn't work, what not. And you can see that on cbsports.com slash fantasy. Dan had the 12th pick and he went Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard in PPR. So how did that, well, it is, but he doesn't have an elite wide receiver necessarily. So how did he do in rounds three and four? So there were so many wide receivers available. He took Jerry, Judy, and DJ Moore. But he could have taken Keenan Allen, Christian Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, plus Judy and Moore. So you have like eight of them or something that I just mentioned. You know, you could select your favorite two. Calvin Ridley went the pick before him. I don't know that you're getting Calvin Ridley 36th at this point. But if you like that strategy of Chubb, Pollard, and then let's say Keenan Allen and Jerry Judy. I, I like that. Do you guys like that? I like that. You like that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind it at all. You know, again, you're taking a chance on two potential top five running backs, you know, assuming that there's no company added in in Dallas, which sounds like there might not be. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think and, and to your point though about Calvin Ridley, I got Calvin Ridley in an analyst draft around four. It's half PPR, wow. so take that for what it's worth, but still. Um mm-hmm. I, I think if you could if you could get like DJ Moore is fine. I, I don't I don't want to make this a DJ Moore thing, but I I just don't love him as that in that spot. So I, I think for me, if it was Keenan Allen, I feel a little bit better about right. it just because I think there's more receptions there. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think if you, first off, you got to know who you're drafting with. Dan obviously did, you know, so he felt maybe those three, four, the, the rounds, three, four wide receivers would be okay. Maybe he thought he was going to go, you know, a uh, tight end or, or receiver or excuse me, your quarterback. That's what as well. But um, he passed up on, by taking Pollard, Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amara St. Brown, you know, that's a pretty pretty l- talented group to be, you know, moving on from to to take one of those running backs there. And if they fail, you're probably sunk. Yeah, I don't I, – I like it a lot more on the other side than I do here. Like, if – the only way I would do it is if one of McCaffrey, Eckley, Bar- Barkley – two of – McCaffrey, Eckler, Barkley, Pollard, and Bijan fell to that point. I'm, there's nobody else I'm taking at that one-two turn. All right. The counter to that is that in this particular draft, and you can see it right now on YouTube, the wide receivers in round four are, to me, just unquestionably better than yeah. the running backs in round four. But I don't know if we should just use this draft. You know, we might want to use ADP for that instead. But, like, Brees Hall was the only running back that went in round four. You know, Miles Sanders was off the board. Heath, you took him in round three. Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs, all those guys were off the board. So I think it made sense for Dan. He had much better selection at wide receiver than he but did at running back. You, in that league, you start four wide receivers. So like you could have taken a wide receiver in round three and round four and gone hero RB. You could have done that, sure. Uh, let's, let's look at fantasy pros, round four. The running backs and wide receivers that might be available to you. Mixon is right at the border. So is Jameer Gibbs. Debo, Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley. Amari, again, ADP is going to change, but Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Ken Walker. All right, so it's a bit of a mix there. All right, uh, I, sorry, I got off topic a little bit. Um, Heath, how does your strategy change in a 10-team league? Hmm. I, I'm prob- I'm, I don't know that it does. Okay. Anybody's strategy change in a 10-team league? For this position? Yeah. Uh, I think, again, depends on where you draft. And... It's easier to, you know, try and get one star and then, you know, sort of circle back a little bit later because there's going to be a lot more options to you, especially when we talk about these guys that are falling to, you know, rounds four, five, and six in a 12-team league. They're going to be available five, six, and seven in a 10-team league. I know I got excited talking about getting two running backs with one of them being a good value. 
generally speaking this year, I've been leaning into hero RB where I try and get one very good running back with my first two picks and, uh, and then build up receivers and then start firing, firing away on running backs starting in like round seven on. I kind of love it because there are so many running backs that I like in the middle rounds, in the late rounds that have upside. And all I need is to start one of them because I'm counting on the hero RB to carry me at the position otherwise. In a 10-team league, that works out even better just because of supply and demand. Sure. There's fewer teams, so more running backs are able to be spread around. All right, let me ask you about hero RB. If you take that hero running back in the first two rounds to anchor the position, how long do you wait until you take your next guy? You know, what point in the rankings? Because, Dave, you know, you mm-hmm. did that in one of the pick-by-picks, and I thought you waited really long. I think Devon A-Chain was your second running back or something. Yeah, like that, that was a little too long. Okay, so so ideally, if you're going hero RB, what range of running back should your number two RB be? Yeah, assuming that I don't get a value on a running back, uh, I'm looking at the guys ranked outside of the top 26. Or maybe throw in David Montgomery because he's 26. 26 and on, probably... The best bet is somewhere between 26 and 35 in my running back ranking. So we're talking about guys like Montgomery, Pacheco, Cam Akers, uh, A.J. Dillon, Brian Robinson, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny. Um, Kamara is in that group, but you obviously can't start him for the first three weeks of the season. So if you get him, it's almost like you also have to get Jamal Williams or somebody else that's got at least an early slate, maybe one of the Dolphins vets. Uh, to be your running back for the first three weeks of the season. But that's the range. And that usually, those guys go off the board anywhere from like round five through round eight. Based on what we said earlier, shouldn't Hero RB, if ADP holds, just be like a guy in round one or round two and then either Alexander Madison or James Conner in round six? I mean, that's the other way to go about it because of those players' ADPs. That's value. But to us, that's value. Getting James Conner in round six, that seems like a good bargain. So I wouldn't pass. So that, that's that's where I would say it's like almost modified hero RB. You know, so you take one, you avoid the position for three, four rounds, and then you sort of say, okay, now it's a good player that's sitting there. You know, so why not just draft him? You know, so you should never peg yourself to I'm only doing this, as Heath will tell you. You know, don't mm-hmm. lock yourself into anything. That's just stupid. But if you have an idea of what you want to do, and then you sort of pivot from that because player X lands in your lap. You know, that's the right approach to drafting your team. I want to get to sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So, Heath, I'm going to let you give me quick answers on the following. Okay. How does your strategy change in a 14-team league at running back? I think it's harder to go 0RB in a 14-team league. Um, I, I'm more interested in, in really having two guys that I think I can start because the waiver wire is going to be so much more thin. Okay, how about... Half PPR, non-PPR, full PPR? I mean, obviously the running backs are more valuable in non-and-a-half PPR. Um, I'm much more likely to start RB, RB, and non-PPR. I might even start RB, RB, RB in non-PPR. They have the meats. I would take a running back (laughs) with any of the first seven picks, at least, in a non-PPR. McCaffrey, Eckler, Bijan, Saquon, Henry Pollard, Chubb or my first seven in non-PPR. Okay. In full PPR, do you consider anyone like Antonio Gibson or Jarek McKinnon to be a start-worthy running back? I don't want to draft that, but I think that's a very good Alvin Kamara strategy. If you want to go with a hero RB approach and then take somebody to supplement yourself for the first few weeks of the season, those are guys that will hopefully get you by. I think there's a, a big range, though, between Gibson and McKinnon. So yeah, I would much rather prefer it to be Gibson than McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I'd like to McKinnon to be a more of a late season strategy than an early season mm-hmm. strategy. But yeah, I think Gibson is one who I'm drafting as a flex with hope that he could be a PPR starter, but not plan on hope. Okay, maybe P Ryan falls into the category too um, of a guy who can have a lot of catches. All right, sleepers, breakouts, and busts. We'll go Jamie Heath, Dave. My favorite sleeper running back is blank. Uh, my favorite sleeper running back is let's go with Rashad Penny. I mean, who would have thought we're saying that in 2023? But you know, he could be the lead running back for the Eagles, still going at a price where it's you know easy to buy him. 
Um, I did see him uh, shockingly go in the in the flex draft ahead of DeAndre Swift in half PPR. First time I've seen that. So he he's clearly rising fastly, but there's an opportunity here for him to be in a very very good spot. So like the setup for him. Okay, Heath. I'll go with the guy who in NFC ADP is one spot behind Rashad Penny, and that is Samaj P. Ryan. I think he's at pick 105, so uh, around nine range. I think as long as Williams is healthy, this will be like a 60-40 split, and P. Ryan can be a nice flex. And there's every reason to believe that there's concern for a re-injury for Javante Williams or for him to be eased in early in the year, which would give P. Ryan a lot more upside. Dave, your favorite sleeper. Let's go with Sean Tucker. Undrafted rookie running back with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Just figure that he's one of the more talented guys. The reason why he didn't get drafted was because of a health issue. He's been cleared. He's practicing. And I just think late round flyer, see where he ends up on the depth chart in Tampa Bay. All right, let's go with Heath, Dave, Jamie. Favorite breakout running back is blank. Heath. I'll go with Alexander Madison. You guys know the stat. Three times he's played at least 50% of the snaps. Three times he's had 100 total yards and 20 PPR fantasy points. That's not a fair expectation for this year, but you should expect him to be a a mid-range to high-end number two running back, and he absolutely has top 12 upside if everything goes right. Dave. I already talked about Tony Pollard. Uh, Wanted to review his two games last year without Ezekiel Elliott against Chicago. 33.7 PPR points at Green Bay. That's a better defense. 21.8 PPR points near the goal line in his career. He's about 50% of getting into the end zone. I think he's still going to be the guy that leads the Cowboys in touches only once in the last, uh, I guess it's a decade now, has a running back in Dallas not had at least 250 touches. It was last year when neither Zeke nor Pollard had 250 touches. I think you're going to see Pollard crush that number. I think he's going to be outstanding. Jamie, your favorite breakout running back is blank. Uh, Let's go with... I'll go back to uh, J.K. Dobbins. Again, I just think the setup for him is is just just fantastic. You know, the offensive line is good. They're still going to run the ball uh, to a high enough degree where his rushing will be you know, still the thing that carries him. But if he gets any more of a foothold in the passing game and they start to do that with the running backs, and that's all you're hearing from Todd Monken's offense in practice right now without him there, you know, I think that's just going to be a, a huge boost to what he's going to give you. So he's falling to a spot now where it's just amazing because people are scared, and I get it. Uh, but if he plays the majority of the full season, you're going to get what he averaged at the end of last year as a rusher, plus that as a passer and a better system because Lamar Jackson will be there. So I think he's going to have a career season and be a, a borderline top 10 running back this year. Does anyone disagree with one of these breakouts? Madison for Heath, Pollard for Dave, Dobbins for Jamie? I, I would only disagree with like how much Pollard was RB7 last year. How much better are we thinking he's going to be this year? He could potentially be RB1. Yeah. I mean, I I love him. I, Heath, what's your hesitation? I don't believe he's going to turn into a feature back who smashes 250 touches. Um, I don't think the Cowboys want to do that with him. He never did it in the pros. He never did it in college. I'm not sure what his high school stats were, but I just don't think they view him as somebody who's going to be a 300. Like, I think Bijan has the upside. I'm not sure he'll do it because they have other good backs there to share with. Mm-hmm. I think Bijan has the upside to touch the ball 350 times this year. I, I think Pollard's probably going to be a similar number of touches to what he was last year, maybe a slight bump. He had 232 touches last year, so a slight yeah. bump would put him at 250. That was in 16 games. So I don't know how many. He was probably on close on pace pretty close to 250 in 17 games. I think, you know, based on what we what I, a quote I read yesterday from ESPN covering Cowboys camp and other things, I don't know if the carries go way up. I'm really hoping the catches go up. I really hope he becomes a 50-catch guy. Does anybody think that Pollard catches 50? He's had 39 each of the last two seasons while splitting reps. I, I think that that's a who I know that everybody's excited about Deuce Vaughn and he's had some great highlights in camp. Do you really think he's going to get pressed into being like the featured passing downs running back in Dallas when it's third and eight? That's who's going to be on the field. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be Pollard. I think he can get to 50 catch. I think honestly, dude, I think he can get to 60. I've got him at 42. 
Okay. I would say 45 to 50 is realistic. You know, just looking at what they've added as a re- in, in the receiving core, you know, and if all those guys stay healthy, you know, do they really need him to be a 50 cash guy? Kind of. I mean, that's the thing. I, that's kind of my argument for it is I don't really think they so have that great. We would, we would like to no, see I just they think, need it to be. Well, yeah, I don't think they have a very good receiving core. And I, I think they might lean on the tight end less this year than they have in the past. And that could, well, that's because I think you got a healthy Gallup and a, a Brandon Cooks addition that they didn't have over the last couple of seasons. I simply don't know what to expect from Gallup and Cooks. You know, it's kind of a wild I card. Think Cooks has, they've both had very good camps, but Cooks has been outstanding. And I think about a former number one receiver now operating as the number two, and the coverage will be easier for him. And they're they're starting to get a drumbeat out of Dallas that they're going to throw more than we're giving them credit for after yeah. all. They are. Okay, so busts. Who will be a bust? Blank will be a bust. We'll go Dave, Jamie Heath. I will nervously say Miles Sanders based on his ADP. He's got a round four ADP. He's never been higher than 13.4 PPR points per game in a season. He's been above 12 in three of his four seasons, so I think he can be good. I have a hard time believing he's going to go right back to 50 catches when he hasn't done it in the past few years. And I'm just a little nervous about just how effective he'll be in an offense with a rookie QB. Who the, And I will say that I need to say this because I actually texted Dave, and I think that might have been the reason he said the word 50. Um, there, I have done a little bit of speculating, and some people have done some speculating that him being reunited with Deuce Staley is going to mean that he's re-involved in the passing game. He did average or pace for 70 targets per 17 games, his two seasons with Deuce Staley. And there's actually a clip that's being shared on Twitter this morning by (laughs) Josh Norris of Underdog. And it's basically Frank Reich and Scott Fritterer talking to Miles Sanders about reuniting with Deuce Staley and catching 50 passes again. Right. And so I and I started doing research, uh, deeper research on Sanders yesterday. His catch rate's pretty good. 76.5% 76.5% over the last two seasons, only three drops on 58 targets. He just wasn't asked to catch in Philadelphia. And now it sounds like especially... Well, he was his first two years when he was when Deuce Staley was there. But not the last two years when Deuce Staley wasn't there. So he can do it. It's just a matter if he gets the opportunity to. And, um, and then the other... Four, does it bother you that he has 14 career red zone targets, including four in his past three seasons? Probably not. You're probably overlooking that because... Two of the last three seasons, Deuce Staley wasn't there. Well, and Jalen Hurts was his quarterback too. Like it's not like, like I think you put J.K. Dobbins on a different with a different quarterback, and I would expect him to catch more passes. Let me continue to make a terrific bust case for Miles Sanders. Uh, Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Remember <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, but he also had Marlon Mack, the lead running back there, averaged anywhere from fifteen and a half to nineteen and a half attempts per game. Yeah, you know, just once yeah. did a running back have over two hundred and fifty carries in a season. Reich has traditionally used a third down guy. So I, I I know that we've heard this talk about Sanders being a three down guy. Look, I, I, I think he can get you between 12 and 13 PPR points. I don't know if that's good enough to be round four. Okay. Probably, but maybe not good enough. All right, uh, Jamie. <laughs> what, a, what a great bust he is. <laughs> Jamie, who's going to Now you're going to hear my uh, bust case for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's what I was say. <laughs> Jamie, what do you got? I mean, I'm... I'm I hate to say I'm still nervous about Derrick Henry because it burns me every season, but I'm still nervous about Derrick Henry. You know, 29 years old, uh, three of the last four seasons, all the work that he's had, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, worst offensive line in the league. And so, you know, he's he's great. I, I don't mind drafting him at the right spot. And based on NFC, that's amazing to get him at the end of round two. But I still see him going in round one, and that makes me nervous as hell. So I, I know the the – the concerns with Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs have pushed them up. It has for me. You know, I've, I've put those guys behind him at this point, but I'm still nervous that this is going to be a, a rough season for Derrick Henry. At some point, he's going to fall off a cliff. And, yeah. You know, when that happens, it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be concerned about there. The age. I mean, he's going to be 30 in January. And it's still different, though. That's the thing. He's just, he just built different. He is, but he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't really, cyborg. he hasn't been like a super special running back the last two years. He's just gotten so much work. Um, I, I hope he can catch the ball a little bit more because he has over the last two years with Tannehill been more involved in the passing game. That's not the case when Tannehill was out last year, but that would help certainly. I, I will say though, m- much more confidently, I am not drafting Brees Hall and Javante Williams unless they fall to just the right spot. And and Javante's still in a range where I would buy him in round seven. Mm-hmm. 
But the history of guys coming off this injury their first year, it's just so tough for them to be successful. You know, there's so rare examples. Jamal Charles, the first time he did it. Adrian Peterson, his MVP season. You know, those guys are just, you know, they, they, they were tremendously, I think, lucky, different, uh, you know, rare. I hope that's the case for Brees Hall. And, and I think the, the right argument for Brees Hall, if you're drafting him, which, you know, paying that price in round two is a little tough to do. Uh, I, and again, it's, it happened in this draft I was in over the weekend. Um, that he's going to be a league winner by the end of the season. I think that could be true. I really do. I think that, you know, once he gets back to form, we saw it with J.K. Dobbins, for example, you know, the way he was running at the end of the season, and he requ- required a, a second procedure during the year. But think about how bad that was for Dobbins last year. Think about how bad it was for Saquon Barkley when he came back from his ACL. Tip. These guys struggle, you know, and and the Jets have told us that they're not sold on it to whatever degree, kicking the tires on Dalvin Cook, spending another draft pick on a running back, you know, still having the guys that they have on the roster, you know, they're, they're concerned. And Javante, you know, I know it's great that he's back and, and hopefully all things are are there. Why did the report come out that if Josh Jacobs is available, the Broncos would consider it? I think that's his agent again. wanted it to. Well, no, I think that's also what what the, the team is is looking at. You know, the, there was, you know, plenty of evidence of, of them looking at running backs as well. You know, they, they settled on Samaj P. Ryan. They obviously, you know, feel good about Javante to a certain extent, but Josh Jacobs makes them a better team if he goes in there right now. And so if, if that's something that they're consider, I think you got to consider that for Javante also. All right. Uh, Heath, who will be a bust? Yeah, and I, I I agree with Brees Hall that I won't say him. I've got I'll I'll give two. One is Najee Harris, and it's just man, can you be that bad and keep seeing that many touches? He is the fourth <laughs> running back since 1992. The fourth running back since 1992 to have at least 600 touches their first two seasons, and average both below four yards per carry and below five yards per target. The other three running backs had a combined two top 20 seasons for the rest of their career. It was Eric Rett, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Willis McGahee, a combined two top 20 seasons for the rest of their career after those two seasons. We saw him lose pass-catching work to Jalen Warren last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's as sluggish as he was last year if he loses some more carries to Warren. And I know that's not something Mike Tomlin's done in the past, but I wouldn't. it, it might happen now. The other one's Ken Walker. Um Zach Charbonnet got healthy first. Charbonnet, I think, is probably going to be better in the passing game. Charbonnet, I think, is probably going to be better in short yardage. Walker's a, a, a really fun best ball back because of that big playability, and maybe he turns into the Tyler Lockett of running backs, and he just gets you enough spike weeks to where he justifies a round four or round five cost. But I am, I'm terrified of the fact that he's hurt now, and I think he's going to lose important touches as the season goes on to Charbonnet. Okay, when would you draft Ken Walker then if if he fell? I I'm pretty much just hands off. I think I have him in round seven. Got Dave and Jamie, when would you draft Ken Walker? I'd think about him in round five. Yeah, it, it was round five for me before the injury. Now it's round six. You know, so I, I think again he's gotta he's gotta get healthy, you know, and 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 these are valuable snaps. And now that McIntosh is hurt too, you know, Charbonnet's got a real big opportunity to show that he can do a lot in this offense, especially if that shoulder holds up. So uh, getting more and more excited about him and less and less excited about Walker in, in, in round five. He's still in round five for me now, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls. Wouldn't he qualify as a buy-the-dip guy if he's going in round six or later? Yeah, for sure. That's and then I, you that's could also, you if you wanted to, you could draft Walker in six. Like, you can't believe he's there. It's good value. You maybe didn't intend to draft him. And then come back two rounds later and get Charbonnet. And then at least you got it locked up. Yeah, I just the thing is with Walker, he's just not according to NFC is the only one I can have like a date range for. He's not really falling that much. Now he's in round five. I guess he's falling a little bit, but I was hoping he'd fall to round six or seven. But all right, we got to take a break. And when we come back, we'll give you some of our favorite late round picks tomorrow on Fantasy Football. Today will be part two. We'll go through average draft position from one to like 50 at running back and just talk about who we like and who we don't like. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. All right, guys, give me some of your favorite late-round picks. Um, I'm going to just fly through news and notes while you think about it. You guys think about maybe three of your favorite late-round picks, round nine or later, let's say, after pick 100. Uh, Travis Etienne, this is a quote from Michael DiRocco of ESPN, who is covering the Jaguars. Travis Etienne remains the top back, and Coach Doug Peterson said last week that Etienne has done a better, uh, a lot of work in the offseason on squaring his shoulders and reading holes better. But Tank Bigsby has been impressive enough that he could eat into Etienne's workload. All right, something to keep in mind. 
Isaiah Pacheco and Kadarius Toney are both expected to be ready for week one. Jake mm-hmm. Ferguson is the clear number one tight end for Dallas, according to John Mashoda of The Athletic. Does anybody want to make a case for Ferguson ahead of Kincaid or Laporta? No, but he's in that he's in that mix of tight ends that you could consider for the beginning of the year because of the role that he's got. And he's got the Giants in week one. Oh, yeah. Jets at week two is going to be harder at Arizona in week three. So oh, yeah. You might That's be able great. to stream them two of the first three weeks. I was thinking again, though, just just remember, it's a different coordinator. So you're not looking at necessarily Dalton Schultz volume and a much more robust receiving core. Plus, now Tony Pollard's getting 75 receptions, according to Adam. So um, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of mouths to feed there in, in that offense. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, all the Dallas, all the Darren Waller hype in the offseason about how good he looked, like he's play, facing the Giants. Remember how good every tight end <laughs> looked against the Giants? He gets to go up against the best matchup in, in fantasy every That'll every be day. better. I, I will say this, though, just to something Dave brought up and the fact that the group that you, you, you brought them in, I did something which, you know, I, I may switch my rankings on this, but I, I feel better drafting this because I think especially you know who you're drafting with. So I know how most fantasy analysts feel about that late group of tight ends. So I didn't have a tight end, and it, it was, uh, let's see, what round was it? Um, I just missed out on Friar Muth, who's, who's a guy that I, I like to target. But I just missed out on on him, and it was coming to, I forget which, which direction where there wasn't a tight end after me. So I'm like, you know, I think I could probably get one of, like Schultz or Higby or one of those guys, you know, the guys that have ranked like 11 through 15, I'm just going to take Kincaid and make sure I get him as, as opposed to taking the higher ranked guy for me, but maybe not as much upside. So I took the upside guy. I knew I was committing to two tight ends at that point. And so I ended up with a Kincaid-Schultz combination. I was very happy with that. Excellent. The Lions signed Teddy Bridgewater. Excellent. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Zang. Baker Mayfield is exp- – isn't that what they say in the second one? Swing. <laughs> <laughs> Baker Mayfield is expected to start the first preseason game. Kyler Tra- Kyle Trask, the second one. Brock Purdy, unlikely to play this you week. You what they do with their depth chart, which is uh, fun. That's depth chart season again. No. They listed them as or. Oh, I hate or. Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, number one QB. Uh, you're Ooh, hearing a little bar that Kyle Trask might be the starting quarterback. Yeah, he's starting to gain ground on Baker. Uh, Rashid Shahid. Saints wide receiver is going to miss multiple weeks with a groin injury, according to New Orleans Football Network. And C.J. Stroud is going to start the first preseason game for the Texans, who are going to be without their right tackle, Titus Howard, for four to six weeks. They already lost their starting center for the season. So not good uh, early developments for the Texans offensive line. All right, let's just finish with maybe three-ish of your favorite late-round picks. Heath, you look like a man who's ready to give this list. Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, and yeah, I was ready for two out of three. How's that? Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Okay. Uh, Dave, you look like a man who's ready to give two or three late round picks. I am ready. Devon A-Chain, Tank Bigsby, and Devin Singletary. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. uh, Jamie, you look like you're, you look ready. Yeah, I got all the scraps. Um, I will go with uh, Jerome Ford of guys who have not been named yet. Uh, no, please, na- please name other. It's actually beneficial if you name the same guys, if you feel that way. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Roshan, I said it earlier in the show. Tank Bigsby, I said earlier in the show. You know, two guys that I'm, I'm drafting a lot of. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's still worth an investment on on the non-Devon A-chain running back from each Jeff Wilson, you know, just because I think he'll get a good opportunity. Same with Raheem Mostert, so take a dart throw there. And uh, Elijah Mitchell. I know he's banged up right now, but something happens to Christian McCaffrey. We saw they were not afraid to use those guys in tandem when they were both healthy last year. Don't be surprised if he has a big season this year, too. And nobody said Samaj P. Ryan or Zach Charbonnet, but I can assure you that our guys like Samaj P. Ryan and Zach Are they Charbonnet. going after said, 100th overall? Late. Yeah, you said late. So I think I said 100th overall, and I do believe that one or, or both of them is going that late. Nice. Uh, yes, they are. You know, obviously it depends, but I think in pretty much every ADP they're going around 100th or after that. Um, okay, uh, so to recap, the sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Uh, Jamie's sleeper was Rashad Penny. His breakout was J.K. Dobbins. His bust was Derrick Henry, uh, if he's going in round one. Dave's uh, sleeper was Sean Tucker. His breakout was Tony Pollard. His bust ah! wasn't, really, wasn't really Miles Sanders. <laughs> Heath's sleeper was Sabaje Pirine. His breakout was Alexander Madison. And his busts were Najee Harris and Ken Walker at their ADP. 
And the late round picks, we like Tank Bigsby. We like Roshan Johnson. We like a lot of backups. J- uh, Jalen Warren, Chase Brown, Devon. There are not a lot of starters available in the late rounds. Yeah, I should I should have said handcuffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there might be, though. Roshan might be a starter. Deontay Foreman Actually, might be a starter. Jeff Wilson might be a starter. You know, Raheem Mostert right. might be a starter. You know, so there are guys that, you know, may end up surprising you by the time we get to week one, barring an injury. You know, that, 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 that they just may be, as much as we don't love it, you know, they still may be starters. And what I'm, more, I'm hoping for is that somebody else drafts Roshan and then cuts him three weeks into the season because he's not getting a lot of work. And he ends up being a league winner by the time we get to November. I'm hoping that Khalil Herbert just has a good season, Dave, but thank you. Uh, I, I'm i more uh, uh, open to McKinnon. I think, I know he's 31, but it was very obvious after the bye week last year, they started getting him more involved. He had uh, a, you know, a very impressive 24.2% target share after the bye week and does, could be a PPR. They don't have any wide receivers. D- does it bother you? Uh, they have multiple wide receivers. Um, does it bother you that that's the second year in a row where he's seen a huge spike in involvement late in the season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You got to be patient if you draft him. But I think anybody I'm drafting after pick 100 at running back has something that bothers me. But but if Jarek McKinnon's getting six touches the first month of the season, you're not going to keep him until December. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the the obvious thing for them is that they didn't add anybody that does what he does. And Eric Prince doing all the things he does in camp is what they say, but he's probably going to get Yeah, I guess if you want to go that route. In terms of of anything of significance. Get out of here. Thank you, guys. Great show today. Part two tomorrow will be even better. No offense, Dave. Dave won't be on tomorrow's show. We will talk to you guys tomorrow with a complete average draft position review. (laughs) What was that noise, Heath? He was laughing at a funny joke. It seemed rude. Hmm. And I'll see Heath in a little bit on the Dynasty Show. Check out FFT Dynasty as well. Later, everybody.